Hi everybody, welcome to Kindred Skulls. Uh, welcome back after a little bit of a somewhat unplanned hiatus. Uh, it's kind of the dead of the offseason here. We haven't had much going on. This will be the third time we're trying to record this episode. Um, just to let you guys behind the curtain, the first time, you know, Nick cut out a little bit of the way through. The second time, I screwed up and didn't record my own audio on the uh, podcast, so that's totally on me. But third time is the charm here, and we're doing it probably about a month later than we thought we were going to. But uh, Nick, how are you doing today? I'm good. Hope you guys missed us. <laughs> we're ready to start cranking out some more content for you all. We've got a 53-man roster prediction coming for you, um, which is a nice way to hit, I think, not just sort of state of the roster. Um, does this feel like a playoff team? Does this feel like a team with a winning record even? Um, where, you know, it helps answer, like, where are there still some remaining holes? Um, where are we really hoping for development? Um, what are the main camp competitions we should be watching out for as we approach training camp with OTAs and rookie minicamp wrapped up? So um, it's actually, uh, it's, it's, it kickstarts a lot of really interesting conversations. So I'm excited to get into this with you, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a fun convo. Um, and, and we're keeping our 53-man roster predictions that we did probably about a month ago. Not a lot has changed on the roster. The only significant addition is Albert Wilson, and we'll kind of touch on him as we go throughout this. But uh, why don't we kick it off and get rolling right into it with the quarterbacks, right? We'll start offense first, then defense, then a couple specialists. Um, So quarterbacks, obviously, one is guaranteed to make the roster. There is no chance that Kirk Cousins is not on the Vikings in 2022. Uh and the other two, really, the backup, Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond, are are the other guys I think have a chance to make the roster. I kept all three on my 53-man roster prediction. I think Kirk likes Mannion enough that his influence, like Kirk's influence, is going to lead us to keep him. And I think we'll want to keep Mond as a developmental option. Um, as we've gone through OTAs, there's kind of been a little bit mixed reports about Kellen Mond. Like, initially, you know, the coaching staff is spoken very highly about his ability to pick up the offense but then it sounds like you know when the media was able to get there uh he performed worse than sean Mannion did in practice which is not a great sign although it could be you know sean Mannion is reputed to be very smart and that's kind of the reason he's on the vikings roster so it could just be he's picking it up quicker than mond is uh any earth-shattering thoughts on the quarterbacks here nick yeah this is neither inspire a lot of confidence i mean Mannion obviously um, you know, we all watched that Green Bay game, but we also watched the three Mon snaps in the Green Bay game too. Yep. So, neither very confidence inspiring. You do hope um, Mon takes a little bit of a leap. He got off to a bad start his rookie year because he missed so much time after he contracted COVID. Um, wasn't vaccinated, wound up missing a lot of time, lost a lot of weight, um, wasn't able to gain back that weight. So you're kind of, and while you're in the middle of a season, you can't exactly like bulk and just focus on gaining good muscle. You got to also <laughs> prepare for games and stuff too. So it wasn't, uh, set, didn't set up for success. Hopefully he's in a better place now, but he still sounds like um, Manning is still um, getting the, the lion's share of the reps um, with the second team. So um, going into to training camp, it feels like it's Mannion's job to lose, but at the same time, I just feel like um, if I'm predicting the 53, I think I'm including Mond, just because I feel like if neither of these guys made the roster, who would be more likely to get poached? I think it would be Mond, because Mannion um, didn't make the initial 53-man roster last year, um, so he could have been poached at the end of roster cutdowns last year. Uh, he did not get poached. Um, obviously, the Vikings really like him for what he can do on the whiteboard, but you can still be a big help and kind of like a backup QB coach um, from the practice squad. So I think Manning's pretty safe there. He does have $277,000 in guarantees, but that's about what he would make as a practice squad player for 17 games. So um, I think financially, um, it's a bit of a wash if they cut him. Um, and I, I think Mond is, he's both the upside pick, but I also think like, I'm not sure the delta is big enough between Mond and Mannion that, like, you know, if Kirk goes down mid-game, that, like, you <laughs> you need to have, um, like, Mannion in there for, for a half a game or whatever. So um, I, I could see them keeping three, but I just feel like neither of these quarterbacks is, is super deserving of a roster spot, and I don't feel like they need to keep all three. And I just feel like um, because Mannion already survived cuts once and he's now he's just one year older, I think he could survive cuts again. So... That's kind of where I lean, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Mond is just out because he's just flat out bad. So we'll see. Nick taking the weak way out, making the roster prediction easier for himself by only keeping two quarterbacks here. 
There you go. That's called gaming the system, folks. Your roster looks a lot better when you don't have a backup quarterback you don't care about on it. Uh, no, but uh, seriously, let's let's roll it forward here to the running backs. Obviously, Dalvin Cook stays on this roster. It sounds like they love CJ Ham. They want to use him a lot. Obviously, he stays on this roster. I think Alex Madison is the clear backup. I don't think there's a comparable player, on, a comparable running back on the roster to what Madison offers. And I, I don't think that either Chandler or Wangwu have a chance to replace him. Um, for me, with this roster prediction, I actually kept both Chandler and Wangwu on the roster. Um, I think that Wangwu is more of a special teams player in this instance for me. And then Chandler is kind of that scat back type. Uh, and I'm predicting he's taking the scat back roles of the role for the offense. So Wang Wu for me is the special teams player. He probably doesn't contribute much outside of trick plays, jet sweeps, that sort of thing uh, on offense in this scenario for me. Obviously, I could see you cutting either Wang Wu or Chandler. Um, and I think you cut at least one of them, but the investment in the fifth round rookie at running back and then the special teams capability of Wangwu, I think he wins the kick return job running away, made me keep both of them. Yeah, it's, I think this is a tough call as to whether you include all five, because that's a lot of roster spots. Um, and counting, I mean, Cam is a, is a, is a functionally not, yeah. Um, I mean, he's a fullback, which we're lumping in with the running backs, but it's more of um, you can move him around the formation. He's more of a um, like a like a move tight end almost than a than a than a handoff guy. Although Ham is solid in short yardage situations. So, um, and I do think you know some people talked earlier. I think the offseason about is Ham a sneaky roster cut because Rams lived out of eleven personnel and O'Connell comes from that that line of thought. And I think the fact that they retained Jake Vargas um, kind of is, puts the you know confirms it. On top of Kevin O'Connell saying like, well, you know, teams right now, you, you, you see so much 12 personnel, 13 personnel, but teams really just match that with another corner because these tight ends are functionally additional receivers. But when you bring out an extra back, they are treating it like rundowns. They are matching extra backs with extra linebackers. So you do actually get to open things up. So it's kind of, um, I, I think we'll see a lot of ham usage despite the fact that the Rams didn't have a fullback last year. So um, the tough question is, you know, so Cook is going to get the lion's share of the reps. He's the, he's the bell cow. Madison, I think, is a is a plus backup. Um, he's not Dalvin Cook, but I think he's borderline starting caliber. He's a pretty good back. Um, I don't, I'm not sure he's going to get re-signed after this year. I think he's a uh, un, uh, unrestricted free agent after this year. Um, and I feel like that's kind of why we drafted Ty Chandler to – have a succession plan there. Um, Wang Wu, I think, is a lock to make the roster because he's the only um, guy to record multiple kickoff returns for a touchdown um, since Cordero Patterson in 2015, so nearly a decade ago. Um, he's really good at it. Um, and he's also, um, he, he got in there a little bit just as like a, 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 an offensive weapon. Um, you know, obviously his speed, he can do things in space. Um, he's got utility as a, as a pass catcher. I, so with all those things considered, I just have, I struggle to see Ty Chandler winning snaps, prying snaps away from one of those other guys right now. I don't think he has a lot of special teams value compared to say Chris Boyd or some of these other, um, you know, roster fringe guys. Um, I, I don't see him getting carries, taking them away from Madison or Wangu even. Wangu did get a couple carries last year, towards the end of last year when he was finally healthy, and I, I, he looked decent. I think Chandler fits into um, the picture long term, but I, it's hard for me to see them carrying five, especially when I, it's just hard for me to see exactly the 2021 impact. And I also feel like um, fifth round rookie running back, he's probably pretty safe on a practice squad just because th there's a lot of good running backs in the NFL. I'm not sure anybody's going to, you know, cut one of their own running backs so that they can pick up our fifth rounder or something. So it is a little bit of a risk, but I, I think that makes the best team. And I, ju I just, anytime you're rostering somebody, you have to find snaps for them, whether it's on offense, on defense, or on special teams. And I just don't really see where Chandler fits into that right now. So that's kind of where I, why I only see them going four backs. Yeah, yeah. For me, I, I think the Rams historically have used multiple running backs more so than the Vikings have previously, where we've used Cook as a as a bell cow, really. So I expect us to try to lighten the load and have some load management for Cook. Um, and I think the team will prefer Chandler as that third down option, kind of the scat back option to Wangloo. So that's why I'm keeping him on. Also, they, you know, this regime is the are the people who invested in it, right? So. 
those are the differences for me in terms of why I'm keeping him. Obviously, it does come with concessions elsewhere on the roster for me, right? Because I have, you know, eight players right now and you only have six, Nick. So obviously, I'm going to have fewer players at the for the rest of the team. And that's kind of going to be a question going forward with how we're looking at these rosters. So yeah, that's that's it on on Chandler for me. Um, so if we go into wide receivers, I have three complete locks in terms of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and KJ Osborne. Um, Osborne easily did enough last year to be vaulted in this category. He also adds special teams value, uh, another thing that we need to continue to talk about. And then, you know, it's kind of a mess after that. You can go with the super special teamer, Dan Chisena. You can go with Albert Wilson, who's a veteran, who I actually kind of like. He's got a, a good amount of after-the-catch potential he's shown throughout his career. It's just been injuries that have held him back. But I didn't keep either of those two guys. They actually were just on the fringe for me. I kept Amir Smith-Marset, Jalen Naylor, obviously the rookie pick, and BC Johnson coming back from injury. Um, BC Johnson's garnered some praise so far with his return from injury and his play style. Um, and I think, you know, it, the, the one thing I have a question is that Smith, Marset and Naylor, I kind of view as similar type players, right? They're, they're vertical threats and that's, that's where they won in college. Um, that's where they may win. I, I really liked what we saw out of Amir Smith, Marset, obviously in the last game of the season, last year, we had the two touchdowns and over a hundred yards. Um, so I'd love to see that continue to move forward and Naylor, you know, it's, it's just like Chandler, somebody the regime has invested in, uh, like I said, you know, they brought in a veteran in Albert Wilson, the Vikings bring in a veteran wide receiver every year. We kind of hype him up as a potential wide receiver three, and then he does nothing throughout the year. So that's why I'm comfortable cutting him and saying, he's probably not going to give you all that much value thoughts on the receivers from you, Nick. Yeah, I had pretty similar thought. I think Jefferson clearly locked in. He's the best player on the roster, I would say. Thielen just got the extension. He's not going anywhere. Osborne made the leap and is now the clear wide receiver three of the most yards from scrimmage of any Vikings wide receiver three in Vikings history last year. So he's pretty darn good. Um, and he's that was just in his sophomore year. So looking at how much of a leap he made from year one to year two, hopefully he continues that progress going forward. After that, I agree. It's pretty murky. I think from what we've seen at OTAs in camp, they they haven't forgotten about BC Johnson. They still really like him. So I feel like he's healthy. They probably see him as their wide receiver for um, maybe a little bit of, of neck up on um, sort of Amir Smith-Marset, Jalen Naylor, Albert Wilson, some of those other guys. Um, and I think those fifth and sixth spots are going to come down to special teams. And I, I think that's where... Um, I, you know, I made room with a smaller quarterbacks room, smaller wide, smaller um, running backs room for Dan Shisena, who's um, just a very elite gunner, um, a little inconsistent. He also has some upside as like a um, Deshaun Jackson type. Obviously, not he's not that, but you know, he has wide receiver value too as well. So if he can learn to put it together, um, he's got drops problems, and you know, he came from Penn, out of Penn State just like as a track star more than a football player, but. Um, it sounds like last year they were trying to, they were impressed with this improvement. So maybe this is the year he's more than just a special teamer. Um, obviously, you, you, <laughs> there, he's not a good wide receiver in the way that like Albert Wilson is or that you hope um, like Amir Smith Marset is. But um, the I've already, we bet against Dan Chisena like twice in a row. Before, so hopefully year three we're <laughs> we learned our lesson. Last one I think is going to come down to who wins the punt return job. That could be um, Albert Wilson, that could be Jalen Naylor, and it could be Amir Smith-Marset. Um, I would probably lean towards just Amir Smith-Marset right now. Um, there's also the chance that, like, K.J. Osborne wins the punt return job. If that's the case, then I think they'd probably just keep Amir Smith-Marset because he was, you know, the he had a 100-yard game. He finished the season with a 100-yard game uh, in against Chicago. So um, I think he's the best as the most receiving upside. Albert Wilson probably is the best receiver, but I'm not sure if you need, like, another small um, yak thread, kind of more of a pure slot, you know, small slot guy. Yeah. That position is kind of, the NFL's kind of moving away from those kinds of guys, the Cole Beasley's or the, um, you know, just like the tiny, the, the West Welkers of the world. So um, I, I think um, I like, I see more potential in Amir smith Marset. but that said, I think that the wide receiver room is going to be very competitive in camp and could totally shake out. And the fact that, they, you know, after a month they went out and got Albert Wilson probably is a sign that they feel like they need to add competition here. And so the, the end, the back end, the wide receiver five or six could be somebody we, you know, hadn't even really thought, or even maybe they only keep five or something. So that wouldn't surprise me either. So um, I, I'm a lot less confident in this one than I am with some of the other rooms I'm predicting. Yeah. I, I think with 
us running more 11 personnel, which I, I do think is something we're going to strive to do. Having six or seven wide receivers is something we're probably going to need just to have that rotation in there. Um, I think what you said towards the end there is a good point. Like we probably don't need another smaller body type and which is why I like keeping BC Johnson on the roster, which both of us did um, given his ability to play outside that he's shown in the past. So I, I, I think we're pretty much on the same page there. And if you swap out Ty Chandler for Dan Chisena on my list, you know, it, it's pretty similar in terms of what we had for wide receivers. Um, so going into tight ends, this is an interesting one and it's a brief list for me, right? So Irv Smith, obviously the team is expecting a ton out of him this season coming back from injury. We really added very little competition to him. We added very little, uh, Maybe competency is not the right word, but very little receiving skills to our wide receiver room this offseason. So we're really we really do need some uh a good season out of Irv Smith this year. Johnny Munt, the team intentionally brought in. I can't imagine we're not keeping him. Um he's a blocking tight end. He's going to be a primary blocking tight end for us, I think, in two tight end sets. You know, he's somebody that the Rams liked a lot and used a lot in that role. And then as the third tight end, I really am not totally sure what to do. Um, but I kept Zach Davidson over Ben Ellison and Nick Muse. I th- I cut Ben Ellison because I think Johnny Munt is kind of a one-for-one replacement. I kind of like what Ellison did last year, but the new regime bringing in its own player in Munt uh, kind of leads me to think that they'll keep him over Ellison. Muse, a six-round pick. I- I'm just taking the previous year's, you know, or maybe Muse was a seventh-round pick. The previous year's super athlete at tight end, really prototypical size for a tight end in Zach Davidson because we don't have we don't have that kind of size on this roster either. Johnny Munt's not a big guy. He's like 6'3", 240, 250, something like that, even though he's a quality blocker. Um and Zach Davidson's pretty much the only guy on this roster who is that 6'6", 260 pounds, and he's a freak athlete, so hopefully we can get something out of him as a vertical stretch and a red zone threat. Yeah, and it sounds like they like the progress he's made a little bit. It sounded like, um, you know, Irv Smith and Johnny Mund are both coming off injuries. So, and it's, it sounds like Zach Davidson has kind of been the guy to slot in there. So it does seem like right now, even though he was, you know, a developmental guy, um, that he kind of is the, the tight end. Um, so, which surprised me a little bit because I would have guessed that Ellison was the guy because he actually has NFL snaps to his name. Um, but it's it's not really an inspiring group. I think Smith and Munt are locks just based on, you know, they gave Munt a two-year contract. It was basically for two years of at minimum, wasn't a lot of money. But the fact that they have like a longer-term vision with them suggests to me that, you know, he's a guy they want to build around. And O'Connell and um, um, Westfield's brought over from L.A. So they I feel like they have a vision for him. Um, but yeah, this is a really uninspiring group after that. Would not surprise me if they sign somebody else after roster cutdowns. Um, but if they go with just three right now, um, Ellison, I think is interesting because I think he's got to be the best blocker of the group. Certainly can't be Zach Davidson because that wasn't really, his, that wasn't really why you draft him. Um, and you want your third tight end to be blocking because the third tight end snaps are going to come in like goal line packages. They're going to come on like third and short. They're going to come in like run heavy downs when you need like six offensive linemen or something. So, um, that's not really Zach Davidson. That said, you know, the fact that he's getting those reps in camp with the two guys injured, um, he's probably the favorite. So I'd probably have the same three with those guys. Yep. I, I agree there. Um, so, uh, at offensive tackle next, um, I only kept three guys and I think honestly, we'll probably end up with a fourth offensive tackle. That's not currently on the roster. Um, I kept more interior guys than I did, uh, tackles. Uh, but I kept Brian O'Neill, Christian Derrissa, Ole Udo. I think those guys are, are virtual lesser locks, honestly. They're moving Ole Udo back to swing tackle. I think while he was not a good guard last year, he's still got NFL experience playing in the NFL and has the skill set to be able to play sc- swing tackle, which I can't say for anybody else on the roster. Obviously, Derrissa and O'Neill are locks. There's no question about that. Um, that leaves Vidarian Lowe, the rookie and Blake Brandell, who is kind of a six offensive lineman, you know, a backup for us last year. I could also see us keeping either of those, but I guess my prediction here is that we don't like the performance from either of those two guys. I don't, I don't view them particularly highly. I think Lowe is going to be a practice squad stash. Um, you know, we don't think those guys are ready and we go out on the waiver wire on cutdown day and get a fourth offensive tackle as well. Maybe somebody with some NFL experience. That's kind of my prediction. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, Udo, they've kind of 
broadcast that he's not a guard anymore. They're moving him out to tackle, and uh, with the loss of um, what? Well, who was our starting left tackle? <laughs> oh, Rashad Hill. With the loss of Rashad Hill, um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, the 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 swing tackle depth is is suddenly pretty uninspiring. Um, Udo, I think, is is a better tackle than guard. I think just he his punch is so wide, and he's but he's a good athlete, and I feel like he's a little bit better in space. He's just a little kind of sloppy with his technique. Um, so that's fine there. And then it really comes down to: Do you want a fourth tackle? You don't necessarily need one, but you probably want one just in case you have multiple injuries or uh, the added depth, or in case you need to bring you know, like I was just talking about, you know, a sixth tackle on the field or something. So um, that's probably Blake Brandell right now. But I agree with you; he's not very good. You probably don't draft Vidarian Low if you think Blake Brandell should be a lot part of the long term picture. So. Um, but you know, Vidarian Low, like some of these other guys that you know, these rookies, late round rookies that I, I I'm not finding room for. Same way, um, I find Jalen Naylor on the practice squad. Same way, I find Ty Chandler on the practice squad. I also think Vidarian Low starts on the practice squad, um, and Blake Brandell's probably the favorite. So I I would keep him as the guy. But yeah, I agree. I wouldn't be shocked um, if the Vikings might prefer somebody, some other tackle who doesn't make a 53 somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and then on the interior of the offensive line, you know, it's, it's kind of a total unit where I would look to have at least eight offensive linemen on the roster up to 10 offensive linemen on the roster overall. Um, I personally have nine. So it's the three tackles I mentioned and then six interior offensive linemen. Six is a lot for the interior offensive line. I probably shouldn't have kept that many. Uh, but like I said before, maybe you cut one of these guys and bring in an offensive tackle. So I kept Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland, Ed Ingram. Those are the guys I'm projecting to be the starters. Obviously, Jesse Davis has been starting at right guard. I kept him on the roster as well. And Chris Reed, um, he got kind of like second team reps at center is my understanding. He's gotten reps at guard, that sort of thing. But I believe he got second team reps at center. Because the guy who we have as our center, who I don't even have listed, I don't think he's going to make it. Um, Schlotman. Oh, is, Schlotman. Sh- is Schlotman listed as center? Okay, I, my apologies then. I, I do have Schlotman on the outside looking in, and I kept Wyatt Davis instead. Um, Wyatt Davis is kind of an upside projection pick, right, for me to keep him on the roster. A third-round pick from last year, dealt with injuries, kind of set him back, really didn't progress throughout the season the way the previous regime wanted him to. But, you know, he's a talented player, and I think he was, like, I don't think he was a reach where we took him in the third round. I actually thought it was relatively good value when we took him there, so I'm kind of expecting his talent to shine through as we move forward and him to be able to supplant somebody like Austin Schlotman and maybe maintain a roster spot here. Uh, Schlotman obviously was brought over from Denver. Our offensive line coach, coach Chris Cooper, brought him over for, from Denver. So, you know, there's that connection there. That may give Schlotman a leg up. Um, but, you know, ultimately you're kind of juggling towards the back end. And it wouldn't shock me at all if we only kept five of these guys and both Schlotman and Davis were on the outside looking in. Um, Reed's also a potential cut, I think. I think I like Reed more than, you know, the general, like the general NFL does. Like, I think he's somebody who should stay on this roster and has, you know, could start. I I feel fine, comfortable with him starting games for us, but I think he's more closer to the roster bubble just from a prediction standpoint than somebody like Jesse Davis is. Yeah, I won't belabor the point because I kind of agree with all of that. I think the starting three are probably Cleveland, Bradbury. I think those two are locks. And then, you know, it's just, I think it's a matter of time before Ingram, um, wins the spot from uh, Jesse Davis. Um, you know, I, I th- kind of think the contracts they gave Jesse Davis and Chris Reed were like, um, in case of, a, you know, give you safe floors in case the, the mm-hmm. rookies didn't come along. But I think they like what they've seen from Ingram. Um, they drafted him at the end of the second round. So he's a second rounder, and they are giving him reps at the second team right guard, which, you know, m- means that he should be ready to start competing um, for the, you know, it's not like he's at the second team left guard. Um, and we'll have to like do the position. So it seems like they're setting him up to have that competition, especially like they move Chris Reed from right guard to center so that Ed Ingram could have those snaps. So, or at least that's the way it shuffled out with uh, the food sickness that was going around with a couple guys. Um, I, I agree with you. The bubble guys to me are um, Davis versus Schlotman. Schlotman has guard center flexibility and they kind of like what he did. 
Um, I, th- I think it was at Denver last year, so he's fam- familiar with uh, uh, Cooper and um, a lot of the uh, <laughs> the other the, the Denver coaching staff, like Donatel and all the Fangio guys. Um, but um, you know, it's, so there's there's an argument for Schlotman, but Wyatt Davis. It doesn't seem like he's necessarily in the doghouse. He's getting second team reps, so um, you know he's the second team left guard, which I, I don't think he's going to be competing for a for a roster, you know, for a starting spot. But I feel like he can be part of the long term solution. So um, right now, I would lean Davis just because I feel like Chris Reed has had a lot. You know, you need a backup center, and I think Chris Reed can be that. They're giving him the backup center snaps, um, and he has you know maybe like two hundred snaps at center in the, not the regular season, but in the preseason where he's he's done okay. So. Um, I feel like that's an okay setup if something were to ever happen to Bradbury. But, um, yeah, it's um, would not be shocked at all if Davis didn't make the roster or if Schlotman didn't make the roster. So, agree with you. Yeah, so just to clarify overall, I actually have 26 offensive players. You know, that's that's one more than the 25, which would be kind of half of the offense-defense split. And you have 25, correct, Nick? Yep. Okay, so now we'll get on to the defensive side of the ball. Um, and we'll start with the interior of the defensive line. So we went from the outside in, now we're going, you know, front to back. So I have Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson, obviously as locks starters, um, Armin Watts and Asezi Otomewo, uh, are, are kind of the backups there. And Otomewo has apparently been getting more work on the edge than I would have expected during the OTAs and minicamp, but I kind of still like him in that five technique role. Like that's where I'd put him personally so that's kind of where i have him here and then i have james lynch making the team as well um i think if you're looking for that five technique you know james lynch did it at or that four eye technique right james lynch did it at baylor i thought that was his best role in the nfl obviously he he's bulked up a little bit with the vikings but i think you know he still has that quickness and potentially that ability to do that um at the nfl level another player to watch out for here is Jalen Twyman, right, who obviously missed all of last season after being hit by stray bullets or, or shot directly. I, I forget which one it was, but he got he got shot last year, missed all of the season with those issues. Um, but, you know, showed his best work as an undersized defensive tackle in at Pitt, which kind of leads you to think he might be able to play that four-tech role. Another interesting player on the team to me uh, is Tyrus Stevenson, who's like 360 pounds. He's the only guy over 310 pounds that's not named Dallin Tomlinson on the roster. You know, he was an undrafted rookie out of Tulsa, but he's he's kind of interesting in that he's that huge body in the middle, and I think maybe he's got an outside shot because a lot of times those guys don't come from any sort of pedigree at all, right? The, the huge run-stuffing noses. There, you see a lot of those guys undrafted seventh rounders. Think about Michael Pierce. Think about uh, who's the guy in Seattle uh, from Texas. Uh, he went to Texas. Uh, he's like 5'10 or something. Ridiculous. Is that Puna? Yeah, Puna Ford. Puna Ford. Yeah. But, you know, those types of guys really kind of come from nowhere, come from undrafted players. So it wouldn't shock me overall. Thoughts from you, Nick? Yeah, and particularly given the switch from the 4-3 to the 3-4, one way to think about that is you're going to have less linebacker snaps because there's really not many points at which you have three linebackers on the field, but you are going to have more defensive interior defensive snaps. So you're kind of so, swapping a linebacker for for another interior defender. So, so to be um, clear, guys like uh, you know, Daniel Hunter and Zedaria Smith are going to be called outside linebackers in this, but we're talking about true off-ball linebackers here. Yeah, it gets unnecessarily confusing. But yeah, guys who play between the tackles on the defense. So um, yeah, there, I think there's room for these guys. Like um, I think Donatel's had five or six um, interior defensive linemen, you know, defensive tackles slash three, four defensive ends um, his three years in, in Denver with Fangio. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case here. Um, I agree Thompson and Phillips are going to get the bulk of the snaps, which um, for all intents and purposes, won't be all that different from what we did last year because, you know, the, 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 as we went over in our Donatel deep dive um, on base downs, it's 
it's a one technique nose guard and a three technique on the strong side um defensive tackle slash defensive end if you want to call them that but it's, it's a one technique and a three technique which is the same thing with the four three under that we ran under with mike zimmer for forever so not all that different there, but when you move into the, the 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 base downs, you need that third guy. Sounds like right now Armin Watts is the favorite to be that sort of five technique slash four eye, depending on what shade of the tackle they want to line up on. Um, but James Lynch also fits that profile really well, did it in college, and I thought he actually looked better than... I was a little surprised Armin Watts was the guy getting the reps there because I think James Lynch is the better player there, um, at least in, in terms of um, you know gap discipline and, and holding his gap and being able to like um, disengage run blockers and make a play in his gap. So uh, I think Watts is a really good um, sort of rotational pass rusher. I think he's got really good hand usage, but I'm not sure run defense is his calling card, which matters more on base downs. So, uh, But yeah, I think all four of those guys are locks. I think there's room for one or two more of these guys. I agree with you. I'd probably lean towards Stevenson just because I think he... he there, one, there's always one undrafted free agent who makes the roster, um, whether that's you know Adam Thielen or whoever. There's always one guy who like sneaks on, and I feel like there's opportunity here, um, both because of the skill set he brings to the table, but also because... Um, there's literally roster spots open here, um, given the scheme switch. Um, they're signing, they're bringing in other guys. They brought in Julian Taylor. They brought in, um, was that, that other guy they just signed? Um, was it, um, Jonathan Bullard? They they brought him in as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Florida guy. Yeah. So there's there's some other guys they're bringing in here too, but Stevenson, I think that that weight gives you something that somebody else doesn't. And I'm talking about what snaps of this guy might this guy actually play if he's active on game day. I feel like the 360 pound dude is 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 the is your goal line guy. Like yeah. that's a guy who you can be like, yeah, we'll throw him in there too. Why not? Because he's got 50 pounds on these other guys. Whereas like um, Julian Taylor is more like a, a super athlete with you know pass rush potential. So um, they've got some intriguing guys there, and I feel like this is probably the most interesting group to watch, just because I feel like there's going to be more than you think that will make the final roster here. Um, so there's opportunity. Twyman's another guy. Um, so I would probably, um, I would probably do I roster six. I consider Otomewo an edge rusher. So I would roster Thompson, Phillips, Watts, Lynch, um, and Stevenson. Um, I would probably practice squad Twyman just because he's coming off the injury. So that's where I'd come out. But um, that fifth or sixth spot, I think, could be really interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, if I move Otomewo to edge rusher that leaves me with only four and then you get somebody like stevenson in there um and it becomes really interesting maybe a jonathan bullard too actually i I think that's you know he's got as much of a chance if not more of a chance than albert wilson to make this roster i think um just with his experience yeah a lot of these older guys they bring in like there's some injury history there but like they're nfl caliber players like (laughs) they're not just like nobody so some these guys are so we move to edge rusher. Um, you have a Tomewo there. Uh, that's totally fine. I have Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, and then I have Janarius Robinson and Patrick Jones. Notably, notable in his absence is DJ Wanham for me. Um, I just, man, it's it's eight pack DJ Wanham. Go back and watch those eight sacks. I actually had somebody respond to that tweet where I put out his eight sacks, arguing that they were good, and I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, man, the like zero pass rush wins in eight sacks. It's it's truly incredible. Like I, I just I. I don't think it's going to happen, but the development hasn't happened in you know two seasons with DJ Wanham where he's turned into a viable pass rusher. The guy who banged the table for him in Andre Patterson is gone. I can see us preferring guys like Janarius Robinson and Patrick Jones, more recent picks. Maybe they're able to develop a bit more. I think Patrick Jones is more of a roster lock than Robinson is. I happen to like Robinson quite a bit from Florida State. Like I really liked his tape from Florida State. I would say I wanted him over Jones last year, but Jones has shown a little bit more, especially in run defense, and we need to be heavy setting the edge. Like that's a Jones is more of a learn from Zadarius. Smith type of player in this defense. Um, Luigi Villain is really interesting to me. The uh, outside linebacker pass rusher that we signed as an undirected free agent. He's another guy, I think, as a UDFA that has a shot to make this roster. Um, and also of note, I have him here because I did this month ago, but Kenny Willekes got waived injured by the Vikings. So that is not going to happen at this point. Well, I, I don't think I, I don't know quite what the injury is, but obviously I don't think Willikis is going to be a Viking. 
this upcoming season. Yeah, um, or at least he's on IR stash for the yeah. whole year, so that he can't be activated. Um, yeah, so obviously Hunter and Smith are your starters there, assuming they're healthy, which is, you know, knock on wood very carefully, <laughs> right. because both of them have missed a lot of time in the last uh, year or two. Um, I actually do roster want him. I think he's not a starter caliber, but I think he could do worse for like a, you know, if he's your third or fourth guy coming off the bench, I think he's not the worst in the world. So, um, th- I mean, yes, he he's not good as a pass rusher or a run defender. <laughs> so, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, no, but he's a, uh, he's, he, the effort counts for something. He does have good bursts. He does have, he does have good length. Um, he, um, has improved. I thought he had, um, he had some really good pass rushes last year from the interior, interestingly. So, um, and Mike Smith is going to allow you the switch to the three, four will allow you to, 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 to deploy him in the, so, those sorts of roles more often. So, um, I, I think there's room for Wanham on this roster. Um, Patrick Jones, I think, um, is, I wouldn't call him a lock, but I feel like I'm pretty confident he makes the roster. I think Mike Smith said he's got the best get off of the entire like def- outside linebacker room, which is saying something. So um, he's, he's another guy in, in like the, Z- the Zedarius Smith mold, like burst, um, you know, speed to power, not necessarily going to like win around you as his go-to move, but he can combo things off of like the, how, you know, how much um, impact he can get, hit you with when he gets um, some speed to ramp up when he's rushing from out wide. So I think he kind of one of those guys that's going to benefit from the scheme switch a little bit. Um, I would not have Janarius Robinson making the team just because I feel like he's still a little raw. I mean, he was raw when we drafted him in the fourth round last year, um, and he then he missed the entire season with the injury. So I feel like um, after you miss a season with your injury, you, you still kind of have to do your redshirt year um, a little bit. So uh, I'm not sure he's um, going to be ready to hit the ground running. If he does, though, I wouldn't be totally shocked. Um, and then, yeah, so it would be those four, Hunter Smith, Wanham, Jones. And then I do think Otome Wo, I, I think they kind of think of him as an edge rusher. I think he's, like, with the outside linebackers group, even though, you know, he's, like, what, 30 pounds heavier than some of them. So um, in, with his length and his size, he is more of a 3-4 um, defensive end in some ways. Like, you can basically put him a one-on-one with an offensive tackle and, that, and have him hold a run gap. That's kind of the role that, you know, that five technique slash four eye which overlaps with the the Armin Watts, the James Lynch's. Um, I feel like he's good at that. But I also feel like they talk about him as somebody who you could line up, you know, standing up at a, at a wide nine, and just, they like his burst and like his length. And I think there's some pass rush potential to unlock there too. So I don't know. We'll see. I feel like those five guys are the, are the ones that make the roster. So it's like 10 total if you include the other five interior guys. Yeah, yeah. And I have nine total. Um, obviously four edge rushers or five if you count a Tomei Wo. And then if you count a Tomei Wo and the edge rushers, I only have four defensive tackles. Um, so if we move on to linebacker, this is a really interesting one because you mentioned it earlier that, you know, we're not going to see as many snaps for our true off ball linebackers in this defense as we would see in the Zimmer defense, you know, and our linebacker room outside of the top two guys in terms of Hicks and Kendricks and also Brian Asamo, who we drafted in early in the third round. Obviously he's not getting cut unless something catastrophic happens. Like outside of those three guys, I have absolutely no idea who is going to be on this roster. Like you could, you can pick any of the next four guys to me to be on this roster. And it's, I, I wouldn't be shocked either way. Um, the other thing to consider is that linebackers typically make up your core special teamers. So that's an important trait for these guys to have. Um, with that last sentence being said, I didn't keep the special teams guy in Ryan Connolly, right? I, I cut him. Um, I also cut Blake Lynch. So that means I kept Chaz Surratt and Troy Dye. Uh, Dye has the most experience. Surratt is a developmental upside pick once again. That's probably a little bit of a theme with how I've gone through this roster exercise, right? I've kept a couple developmental upside picks. If you count Davidson, if you count maybe Ty Chandler at the running back position or something like that there, rather than a more established veteran. Excuse me. Um, But yeah, Surratt, you know, early third round pick. You good? <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, woo. Uh, Chaz Surratt, early third round pick. But, you know, ultimately, 
didn't show much last year, didn't get on the field much last year. Um, Troy Dye, I think, played the most snaps out of all of our linebackers, so that's why I kept him. Go ahead on the linebackers, Nick. Yeah, so Kendricks Hicks, I think the locks, um, I, you know, there's a chance Azamoa, like, wins the, the, the other linebacker job just based on, you know, third rounder, I think we'll have a chance, but I think they see him more as like a day one instant special teams plus player um, with a chance to eventually take over. And obviously, you know, Azamoa's, you know, he's got length, he's got range, um, he's a good tackler, uh, he's sort of a see ball, get ball kind of linebacker, which is kind of what you need in a Donatel defense and in the modern NFL um, in any case. So he, he's got some traits, but I think he's also, um, he's he's a little green. So probably a little bit ways away, probably a year away from being a starter, um, but you never know. Um, you see some of these under undersized guys sometimes, I mean, Quasi Hodges last year with JOK in Cleveland. So um, those three, I think, are the only locks on the roster. After that, I think it's Troy Dye getting most of the snaps, um, and even with the second team, um, or even like when with Kendricks had like a tweak, it was like Troy Dye getting like first team snaps. So yep. that kind of surprised me because I think of Troy Dye as like the guy who looks like a like a long snapper <laughs> because his number is like forty two and. He looks like he just, you know, got pulled out of the stands. Uh, he's got the long sleeves with no gloves. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, but uh, despite looking like a long snapper, he actually, he does have kind of similar traits that it looks like, you know, they're, they're looking for in their new defense. You know, he's got the range. He's got good, um, he's able to, like, make plays around the ball. They would like to play, deploy him as, like, the pole, the pole player in, like, Tampa 2. Um, so he's got... Um, Gives them some schem- some schematic versatility too. Then I would probably have Chaz Harat. So Blake Lynch on the outside, Ryan Connolly on the outside. Um, I think Chaz Harat is also kind of fits that profile a little bit more than Blake Lynch. You could also make the argument that like Blake Lynch, you probably don't want to have a, a linebacker room that's composed entirely of guys who are more safeties than linebackers. You want one of these guys who can actually take on tight ends um, directly uh, on like drive blocks. But I just kind of feel like. The, the the what they're they're leaning towards these latter guys anyway, so might as well go for it all the way. Yeah, hopefully the idea with the front and keeping those more defensive interior defensive linemen is that with the gap and half structure, you're keeping the linebackers more clean. So you don't need that size and that thumping power at linebacker. Like the Vikings used Anthony Barr as that thumping power from a schematic perspective, but you don't necessarily need to do that in the Donatel defense. Um, so no, I, I, we're pretty much on the exact same page there, which I, I think is a little bit interesting given the uncertainty towards the end of that roster, I think. Um, so if we roll into cornerback and I apologize on the last one for dying, coughing too, I hope none of that got into the audio recording. I think I muted myself correctly. Um, <laughs> but you know, cornerback, I have Andrew Booth, Jr., Patrick Peterson, Shannon Sullivan, Roster clear roster locks. Cameron Dantzler roster lock. Caleb Evans roster lock. And then it gets really interesting because I just named five guys who I think are locks to make the roster, right? And of those five guys, four of them to me are clear outside guys, right? Patrick Peterson, you're not moving inside. You know he's been an outside guy his whole career. Cameron Dantzler, I don't think has the quickness to move inside. Caleb Evans is a very big player. Uh, Andrew Booth Jr. honestly might have the quickness and fluidity to move inside of those guys, play on the inside, uh, you know, play some slot corner, but I think he can be a prototypical outside corner and that's more valuable to me than a slot corner. So I'd rather have him on the outside and kind of on that track. Chandon Sullivan obviously played a ton in the slot for Green Bay. He's your starting slot corner, but you kind of need a backup and you kind of need a guy with that flexibility. Um... So it becomes really interesting because Chris Boyd, granted, I don't want him to see the field at all. I don't think he can play inside. I, I think he'd be even worse as a slot player. Um, so I kept Harrison Hand instead of Chris Boyd. Now, if you go back to previous decisions way back where I kept a Ty Chandler on the roster, you know, maybe Chandler doesn't have the special teams ability that a Chris Boyd has, and we roster Chris Boyd instead of that. But that's that's not how I did it for this exercise. Hand has played some at slot corner in preseason. Obviously, he didn't beat out Chris Boyd. He didn't beat out Cameron Dantzler when he had every opportunity last year because Dantzler was in Zimmer's doghouse, right? And Boyd, you know, showed enough to to go in front of him. So that's kind of an upset. Um, We also have Nate Hairston, 
who is a bigger outside corner, but probably has some slot flexibility as well and knows the defense for the Broncos, and Perry Nickerson, who's a veteran slot corner. But I just don't think either of those guys are good enough to play significant snaps for us, so I don't really see them as making the roster. Uh, Those are my six guys. Again, Booth, Peterson, Sullivan, Dantzler, Evans, and Harrison Hand. Who did you have, Nick? Yeah, I agree with you. The, those first five guys are locks. Um, you know, they traded up for both of these rookie cornerbacks. So I think, and they're both, you know, they were both in the first half of the draft. So I think anytime you trade up for those guys early on, they're, they're locks to make the roster. You're not going to expose them on waivers. Um, Evans And Evans, I think, you know, Booth, obviously, with the injuries is, you know, people talk about him as having a very good shot to be a starting at boundary corner next year, winning the job over Dantzler, which I think is true. Um, um, and I might even call him a favorite um or at least it's it's like if it's if it's a toss-up it's like 60 40 i think at, at worst for for booth so um but then also i think evans has a, has a good shot as well to earn rotational snaps because i don't think i mean other than the grabbiness i think he's pretty close he's got a lot of traits you like um and he's not just a height weight speed developmental guy i think he's closer than you, you think when you watch his tape so um all those guys i think are you know going to be impact guys on the boundary and Peterson Dantzler obviously Peterson was our best coverage player last year didn't have a lot of interceptions or big plays but he just wasn't targeted much in coverage and uh, was generally pretty good even when he wasn't targeted so Peterson obviously a veteran veteran leader there um, but then yeah I have no idea what their plan is at nickel maybe their um, maybe their plan is to run three safety sets instead of like nickelback because even like Chandon Sullivan like doesn't strike me as a slot corner he's not fluid um, he has a lot of hip stiffness, which is like, if you're going to be the, the, the star or the nickel, or you're going to be that guy who mans up over the guy in the the number two, the number three guy, um, um, uh, uh, the, that slot receiver inside, you need to be able to defend two way goes. And if you have stiff hips, that's, that can be a bad combination. Um, so, and, and there are ways that the Packers like made it work with Shannon Sullivan, where they basically just established leverage and they gave it away early and they said, okay, I'm going to like shuffle step. And if you want to, you know, like I'll have, I'll play with outside leverage. So if you want to make an, a break outside, then I'm just going to like catch you and block you off. And if you make a break inside, well, then I'll be able to plant and drive easily and, and drive on it. So that's, there are ways to get around it. And I think that might be the plan for, you know, they, Sullivan was one of their, like, you know, I won't say a keynote free agent, but he was, like, one of the guys that, like, the media team hyped up. It was, like, Zadarius Smith and Shannon Sullivan. So they didn't give him as, nearly as much money as they, they're giving Zadarius Smith. But, like, um, that maybe maybe they just have a different prototype of a nickel corner than we're used to seeing with Mike Zimmer, where, you're, where it's more of, like, a, a 5'10", fluid, fast mover, 4'4", guy with, like, oily hips. So maybe they're just moving away from that. Or maybe they are really planning on, you know, we've heard rumblings of three safety snets with Seen and Bynum and Smith all on the field at the same time. So maybe that's what they're doing. Um, I would, my sixth cornerback would be Hairston, um, just because I feel like he was, um, uh, he, he was predominantly a slot for Denver last year. He has familiarity with Donatel's defense. Um, and he's got that potential and like, he was pretty decent, I think in Denver last year. And the thing that keep that kept him from being like CB three was that Denver had like a million really good cornerbacks last year. So, uh, Harrison, a little hard, um, being CB four behind like Sertan and all those guys is a little more impressive to me than being, you know, Harrison hand being CB six behind like Chris Boyd or whatever. So, um, I, I, I think Hand has a has a chance to win the nickel corner. I think he's a little bit more of um, he's got more of like the prototypical measurements for a, for a nickel corner. Um, but I just I'm not sure he he's he would earn those snaps um, to be like earning nickel snaps. And then you know Chris Boyd I think is probably like my 54th player, probably the toughest cut because he's he's a really good special teamer. Um, and he's not a terrible corner, boundary cornerback. Like he, there were times he played when you were like, "This is, looks like an NFL player." It is, doesn't look like just a special teamer they threw out there. But um, only so many, you know, fifty-three mean years you have to have tough cuts. So I think, um, despite all the vibes he brings to the locker room, Chris Boyd, unfortunately, outside looking in here. So those are my six. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that you were talking about uh, with the slot corner is, you know, the potential to use more three safety sets. Obviously, we're going to safety next. And I think that's a little bit interesting because of our lack of depth at the safety position, right? I've got Harrison Smith, Lewisine, Cam Bynum as roster locks. And then after that, really, it's only Josh Metellus and Miles Dorn. Um, I kept Metellus over Dorn. I think it comes down to special teams on who we're keeping at that position. 
But for me, I, I just like Metellus a little bit better. So that's why I'm keeping him. You know, we can use Bynum as a potential slot corner, but ultimately, uh, excuse me, once again, ultimately, you know, it's, if one of those guys gets injured, that becomes very problematic for the defense, right? And you kind of have to change around the structure. So it'll be interesting to see, for to me, to see how they handle it if we add somebody through free agency later on. Yeah, and I, I have the same four. I think Mattels is probably the favorite if they do carry four. They won't necessarily have to keep four. They could keep three. I mean, there was that time they only kept two after the first 53-man roster a couple of years back, so... Um, and Metellus is, he's a good special teamer. I wouldn't want to see him on the field very much. Um, it's possible they do something like they keep Smith, Seen, Bynum, um, and then keep seven cornerbacks and throw in, um, you know, Chris Boyd there because of his special teams value. Um, it's also possible that some of the corners they see, you know, especially with a switch to more quarters, um, the, there's, there, I won't say it's the same position, but there's more, um, overlap or intersectionality between your, your safeties and your cornerback, your boundary cornerbacks, like, um, I could very easily see um, uh, Shannon Sullivan playing safety as opposed to a slot cornerback, just because I feel like he's got got good play recognition. He's got a very he's very quick driving on the ball. So I feel, and those are the kinds of things that they value. I think a lot from the safety position as well in this scheme. So um, those those are my four. But I don't, I'm not super confident um, in Mattelis being the fourth. I could very much see them po- poaching somebody else. There are a lot of good safeties in the NFL right now, so maybe they poach somebody from somebody else's roster cutdowns. Um, but Mattel, if I have to pick one, I'd pick Mattelis just because I feel like he's a good special teamer. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's you know we're we're both kind of on the same side of that argument, so not much to dispute there. Um, and then wrapping it up, you know. With special teams, um, you know, I, I have Greg Joseph, Jordan Berry, and Andrew DePaula. That's kind of uh, chalk for that. We already cut Greg Burkich at the kicker position, so I guess I guess Greg Joseph's won that, unless we bring in somebody else late. Uh, Ryan Wright, I was looking before this, wears number 66 on the Vikings. That's not a good sign if you're a specialist wearing number 66. And then I don't believe we brought in the long sapper to compete with DePaula, so I think he wins by default. Um, so the, those are the three specialists, and that rounds out the kind of 53 guys for me. Yep, I had the same three. I don't think there'll be any surprises with special teams. Yeah, absolutely. And then roll into a practice squad. Um, apparently they updated the practice squad rules to where there are now 16 players available on the practice squad. Uh, so, you know, that, that'll be different from years past. Uh, there are also vested veterans allowed. It used to be four and now it is, do you know how many it is now, Nick? I do not. I I remember that they, they went back to the COVID rule with 16, yeah. but I don't remember how many vested that. Was. Yeah. So that, that's all right. I, I, it, it might be four, it might be five, but I have, you know, 14 guys on my list because the you know we did this kind of before they made that update. Um so I have number 1 is an outside quarterback. Uh I don't think that who is it like Nate Stanley is still on the roster or Jake Browning or somebody. I don't think that those guys really bring enough value and, and are somebody that the coaching staff would want. So they'll pick somebody up who was cut by another team and add them to their practice squad is, is kind of my prediction there. Uh I also have an outside running back. We cut AJ Rose Jr., who I initially had in this spot. So I'm just going with we're going to bring somebody else in. Obviously, I kept the five running backs. So if I didn't have an outside running back, I'd probably keep Ty Chandler in this spot, right? Um, Jake Vargas, I kept as a backup fullback, you know, give you that flexibility. I kept Dan Chisena as one of the veterans. You know, he's kind of that, that's where his special teams value comes in. Um, Nick Muse, obviously, I cut him. So I kept him here. Austin Schlotman, uh, another one of the veterans that I kept, and Vidarian Lowe on the offensive line, and then Jalen Twyman on the defensive line, along with DJ Wanham, who I put in the practice squad. Now, if I'm if I'm being hundred percent honest, like my prediction would be that DJ Wanham makes the roster. I'm just kind of a little bit salty about his presence on the Vikings. So uh man, I'm sorry, DJ Wanham. I, I feel bad about continuing <laughs> to do this. Uh, I also kept he's getting, at this point, he's getting the Alexander Madison treatment yeah. where like people hate him. So he's not that bad. Like, yes, no. he's not a starting caliber guy, but he's, yeah, 
No, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, Luigi Villain, I put on the practice squad here. I mentioned him as a fringe roster guy. Um, Tyre Stevenson, I put on the practice squad as well. Uh, he's kind of the name replacing Kenny Willekes for me. Obviously, they're not the same position, but initially I had Willekes on this practice squad. Obviously, uh, he's on IR or, or whatever the deal is. Um, Will Quenq, a linebacker that we brought in from Temple, very, very explosive. Uh, he's, you know, somebody I kept as a backup there. Nate Hairston is another veteran is somebody as I kept miles Dorn is somebody I kept. And then I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this, but I'd keep Chris Boyd and Ryan Connolly as well. And that would bring me up to 16 players. And, you know, you could probably flip like three of those guys, right? Chisena, Connolly and Boyd. I want to keep for their special teams ability, which means they're probably more likely to make the roster than they are to make a practice squad uh, for a hundred percent clarity on that. Right. Because you kind of can't keep a practice squad player, you know, just for a special teams ability. That seems kind of like a weird decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, mine practice squad. Um, so Manny and I mentioned um, Chandler, I mentioned Vargas. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but Vargas is kind of a lock in the same way that ham is a lock at fullback. Uh, in case something happens to ease your ham insurance. Um, Nick Muse, I would have. I think Elfson is probably out. They probably don't need two tight ends on the practice squad. Um, and then Vidarian Lowe, I, I mentioned as well. And then there will, there will be one or two practice squad receivers, but it's you know, it's kind of hard hard to tell who it'll like. They could go with a Tristan Jackson, um, or they could go with um, Albert Wilson, but it's not... Not sure Albert Wilson like wouldn't get poached or something. So um, Naylor, I think, is the one guy, and then I would probably pick Tristan Jackson as the second guy. And I think with sixteen, you have room for two. So that's so that, I think that gives me eight on offense. I'm trying to be balanced here. So um, on defense, I would include um, Julian Taylor and Jonathan Bullard. Um, if Bullard gets poached, maybe it's like Ty McGill or something. But um, I, th- I think you have room for multiple sort of. Um, defensive tackle, defensive and um, interior defensive lineman guys there. Um, I mentioned that Janarius Robinson would be on the outside looking in, but I do think uh, he gets that redshirt year on the practice squad. And then I would also have Luigi Villain. They gave him like, um, I think $200,000 of guaranteed money, which granted that's kind of what practice squad players make now. So um, it's not, it's not like you're, you're giving him more money than he would get on the practice squad, but it's kind of guaranteeing, I think, Luigi Villain, Waluigi, as I call him, is pretty much guaranteed a practice squad spot. So, um, Or, you know, if they don't give it to him, he gets the money anyway. So um, then I would include Blake Lynch because he was on the outside looking in on the linebackers. I would include um, Harrison Hand and Chris Boyd. And then I would include Miles Dorn. And I think that gets me to 16. Uh, apologies if it doesn't. Yeah, so. no, that that sounds about right. And it's good enough, honestly, for the end of this uh, roster prediction conversation. We got through a very accurate 53 players on the 53-man roster, right? You know, once in, in September, cut down day, we're going to be right. One of us is going to be right in terms of what we got here. I'm, I'm very confident. Exactly. Like my March Madness bracket every year. Like yeah. I'm, I'm always exactly right. I, I always, you know, not yeah. that hard. We're, we're probably not going to be right on the practice squad players, but I mean, does anybody really care about that at that point anyway? No, not really. So, you know, we're, this is the correct 53 man roster prediction, Nick. I, I think that we did a fantastic job. Each of us, we're both going to be right, even though we have different players. So that's how good we oh, both yeah. are at this. And that's exactly why you should give us a glowing five-star review on, on Spotify and iTunes and everywhere. We are Kindred Skulls. I'm <laughs> Nichols in NFL. I find Matt on Twitter at Fry's Football. Greg Blake, our co-host uh, in Abstentia, is, you can find him on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, he's attractive enough for Instagram at uh, You've Been Gregged with a three Gs, Gregged. Um, we are at Kindred Skulls on Twitter and on YouTube. If you want to listen to the video, if you want to see the video version of this, we're on YouTube. Just search Kindred Skulls. Otherwise, iTunes, um, you know, wherever you get your podcast, you're already listening to it. So uh, we will 
follow up with a few more podcasts this offseason as we get into kind of the schedule. Um, there's still probably going to be some more free agent moves. I think as training camp gets up and running, there's going to be more discussion about like who's on the outside looking in. Um, we're going to approach the preseason before you know it. So there's still a lot of action coming up here. And then we promised that we would do it. We are continuing to grind the tape of some of these other rookies, the Caleb Evans, the Brian Asimos. Hopefully got a little bit of flavor on that as we talked about some of these guys. So we wanted to do more of a deep dive on these guys um, at, at Ingram as well. So um, because we feel like these guys have, I have a chance to play snaps this year. So, um, But before we do our deep dive on the rest of the draft class and getting to know these players, uh, we wanted to be able to spend a little bit more time with them. So uh, we will, well, those, those, those pods are coming as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I'd say that's probably what you're going to look out for next is the deep dives on some of the rookies coming up here. So with that, uh, for Nick, thanks everybody for listening. And Everybody, you know, have a good one. Skull Vikings. First round corner wouldn't do us any harm. Oh, another first round corner wouldn't do us any harm. Oh, another first round corner wouldn't do us any harm. And we'll all cheer on behind. And we'll score.